listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Insulet has sponsored the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This podcast provides general information about health and related subjects. This information and any other content provided in this podcast or in any linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for medical expertise or treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something that you've heard in this podcast or read in any linked materials. The speaker is an Inselect Corporation employee. Opinions expressed in this program are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Inselect. Welcome to the Omnipod podcast with healthcare providers in mind. Did you know that according to a recent study published in 2021 in the New England Journal of Medicine, approximately 50% of patients achieved an HbA1c of less than 7% from 2015 to 2018, which represented a decrease versus the prior three-year period. Additionally, almost one out of four participants had an HbA1c greater than 8%. Listen to the discussion today with Insulet's Senior Director of Medical Affairs, Dr. Ken Snow. Pharmacy Podcast Network, this is a long time coming. We have been working with Insulet and the team, the Omnipod team, to bring you a really interesting discussion and podcast around the future of healthcare and the diagnostic and the data that can be brought to our pharmacist providers and the collaboration that is built between our physicians and our pharmacists. It's so important. So I am thrilled today. We're going to be talking about this opportunity to engage each other through healthcare technology and the ability to really dig down into medication uh, management, insulin pump technology management and adoption, as well as other things that are ancillary to uh, better diabetes management. This is exciting for us as a publication to bring experts to the pharmacy podcast to really dig into this. And I've been really curious about this myself. I see commercials for Omnipod um, as I'm watching um, uh, different shows and I'm like, This is special. We get to have an expert really uh, come in and and talk to us about this. And if you have any questions for us uh, listeners, please uh, reach out to the Pharmacy Podcast and uh, the network, and we'll get you in touch with many of the people that are prepared and standing by to give us more information. And today we have an incredible discussion coming up with our guest, Dr. Ken Snow. Dr. Snow practices as an endocrinologist at Jocelyn Diabetes Center before taking on the medical director role at several organizations, including Aetna and CVS Caremark. And most recently, he has joined Insulin Corporation's medical affairs team. And uh, this would indicate that he really brings a tremendous experience in the trenches of healthcare and, um, and also his knowledge as a researcher to this conversation. And we're gonna be looking forward to really hearing his insights on the state of diabetes care in the United States and healthcare overall and how technology is impacting patient care. Ken, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast and kicking off uh, the Omnipod uh, podcast uh, through insulin. So welcome. Great, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. 
So tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get into healthcare overall? And then you found you found a specialty within healthcare in diabetes expertise and management. So share with our listeners uh, how we how you got here today. Well, as I decided to become a physician and went through training, I found the field of endocrinology and diabetes in particular very interesting to me. And I wish I could say that back 30 years ago, I knew that diabetes was going to become the um, such an important subject in the field of medicine and public health for so many people. I can't admit that. I really didn't. Um, I knew that I enjoyed um, learning about diabetes, about treating people with diabetes, about trying to improve the lives of people with diabetes. And unfortunately for so many, diabetes has really become so common and such a part of um, of so many people's lives. Um, so it's been a privilege to be able to be a part of that. Well, Ken, we're excited that you're here because the evolution of technology and the leverage of um, digital therapeutics and different aspects of medication management. What a great time to be in healthcare, to be able to leverage tech and to help our patients live their lives uh, with more freedom. And that's really what this is all about. Um, you know, in recent years, we have seen an explosion in new oral and injectable medications, including better insulin um, insulins for diabetics and, and, and diabetes technology is rising. And I, I want to kind of start off with you, Ken, what, and just understanding more about this. Why do you think we continue to see people struggle to achieve their A1C goals? Well, I think to begin with, part of the issue is that diabetes is actually a very complex disease that patients manage um, a large part of it on their own. Um, many diseases, you need to take a medication, and as long as you're adherent with taking that medication, the disease is treated or gets better or is managed well. But that's not the case with diabetes. With diabetes, it's constant work, the need to assess what you're eating or not eating, what kind of activity you're doing, are you more or less active on particular days? And so just the day-to-day -day management for a person makes it a challenge. And then we add in a whole bunch of other issues. Um, are these newer medications covered by insurance? And as such, do people have access to them? Um, and in terms of um, folks with diabetes, there's a lot of different aspects and medications that go into it. And, and this all requires navigating the healthcare system, everything from making sure that therapy gets paid for to making sure that you have appointments with your doctor so that you can be evaluated and get the therapies you need. So to manage diabetes is really um, almost a full-time job for folks. And yet, of course, they have a full-time life outside of diabetes. And to take it one step further, particularly with type 2 diabetes, which is the majority of folks with diabetes, um, it often can be asymptomatic so that folks don't feel poorly when they go to see their doctor. And so it becomes something that in the hierarchy of everything that a person needs to deal with and the doctor needs to deal with, the diabetes may really become um, take a back seat to that, um, which makes it, again, 
much more challenging to wind up getting the therapy that's needed um, to really bring blood sugars under control. And then finally, I'd like to throw out one other issue, which is often referred to as clinical inertia, where a doctor does not necessarily advance therapy as needed. And while on the one hand, that sounds horrible, how can a doctor not be adding more therapy if you need it, it's actually quite understandable because the physician taking care of that person knows the things that I just mentioned. And so they know all the challenges of having appointments and the, the financial burden of prescriptions and managing that on a day-to-day -day basis. And physicians, by and large, do not want to make their patients' lives more challenging. They would like to make it less challenging so they can be hesitant to adding in more medication and more therapies, which they know, while it may be the right thing to do from a medical perspective, it is going to make the life of that person all the more challenging. And I think of the data that we're extracting right now in uh, different disease state management, uh, rare diseases and complex uh, diseases. But Coming back to diabetes with uh, the prevalence and how many um, of our um, how many of our citizens are are dealing with that, having technology to give you that sense of uh, freedom is is just amazing to think of and and it should be something that's just happening in the background that we don't have to think about. So um, I wanted to ask you a question before we go any further, and really, it's just about, the American Diabetes Association, considering that in 2022, the ADA updated standards of care support considerations for insulin pumps for both type 1 and type 2 diabetes. What are your thoughts on the importance of these changes? I think this is a very important change. And what it what, what the ADA is saying by, by making this kind of statement and what they recognize is that insulin pumps and technology in general has been shown to be of significant value for many who have type 1 diabetes. And that for folks with type 2 diabetes, the insulin issues that they face many times are the same types of challenges and issues that somebody with type 1 diabetes faces. And so if this type of technology can be a benefit for many folks with type 1, it can also be a benefit for many folks with type 2. And this is great um, to get this type of technology out into the hands of folks with both type 1 and type 2 diabetes who would benefit from it. Now, that's not to say that this is the answer for everybody or that everybody with you know, type 2 diabetes you know, is a candidate for this type of technology. But what we do know is that there are many people out there right now who are struggling to control the diabetes where the, this type of technology would be, be a benefit and the ADA statement will hopefully make it all the easier for folks to be able to access it. Thank you, Ken. Um, that's exactly what I was looking for, is just a better understanding. You know, I've been in technology for years in healthcare, over 20 years now, and it makes me feel old, uh, but I, time's going fast. Um, but I think of back when we were implementing new technologies in the long-term care pharmacy um, space and how there was limitations in implementation and moving forward with what the best scenario was, which was more than just the tech. It was the 
planning. It was the training. It was marrying uh, some of the the workflows with with the what was happening in the trenches for um, for these um, for these pharmacies. So I think of the historical barriers for insulin pumps in in specific for diabetes, and we see many. Uh, continue to deliver uh, their insulin by multiple daily injections, despite the innovations that are that are available. And, and so, from a cl- clinician's point of view, what are the limitations of this therapy, and and how does that potentially impact patient care? Well, we'll start off with the fact that you know using, let's say, an insulin pen is easy. Um, I've taught people to use pens. Other folks who have taught patients to use a pen know that you can get most people using a pen fairly quickly. So it's an easy technology to use. Well, that's great, but there are limitations to this technology, and that's the challenge with it. Um, It's still an injection. So for some some adults, that may not be their preferred um, method that they'd like to receive insulin. And for children, particularly younger children, parents of younger children, um, injections can be a real challenge. So this just the issue of it's still an injection. Also, if you think about when we inject insulin, particularly let's say long-acting insulin, that's going to be there for the next 24 hours. Even if your needs change in that time. So you're guessing what the next 24 hours are going to look like or making your best guesstimate of what your next 24 hours are going to look like. Once that insulin's injected, you can't change it. It's there. Um, and that is a very limiting um, event, That very limiting for folks, um, it, particularly the more varied their lifestyle is, um, that they're going to have this insulin on board, whether they need it or not, um, as the next day goes on. And so you can't adjust that basal rate um, in a sort of moment-to-moment basis, as opposed to you get one shot a day at it, literally. Um, there's also issues such as if you're carb counting, or if you're using a correction factor, um, then you're needing to do math, which is not everybody's strong suit. And not only that, but the pressure that puts on the user that now I have to get my math right because I'm calculating a medical dose based on it. And if I get it wrong, um, I can do harm to myself. So all of a sudden that math, which may not be their strong suit, becomes very, very important to get the math right. Um, And that can really add a lot of anxiety to folks who are trying to, to manage their disease well. And this is just practical issues. Um, As an example, um, somebody goes out to eat and they need to inject their insulin. Well, where do you inject this insulin? Is this done at the table where everybody else around may not be as comfortable with injections as that person is? And then you need to expose the site where you're going to inject, which may or may not be something you wish to do in public, depending on where you're injecting. Or you can do the medical recommendation, which is, well, get up from the table and go into the bathroom, let's say. 
except as many patients have pointed out to me, the bathroom is not necessarily the most hygienic place where you'd like to do a medical procedure. And yet that's where they're expected to inject. And so there's just the practicalities on a day-to-day -day basis of people living the, with the disease that there are limitations to using traditional um, insulin injection techniques as opposed to um, you know more uh, modern options. Can I think of privacy? I think of my health care is my business. And if I'm in the public and I need to take my insulin, there's just an element of that that um, that would, you know, it would it wouldn't bother me. I mean, I'd get used to it, but it it's just not having to think about it and 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 have, you know, maybe people look at you or whatever it is. But regardless, I also think of, the adherence of this and the ability for a system and technology to be really tapped into my specific system and allowing me to live my life as 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 free as possible um you know with managing my diabetes and i i want to i wanted you to share your perspective on why the historical adoption has been low for insulin pump tech pump technology and and whether innovation is increasing adoption I think part of the problem historically has been the perception, some of which is real, that in the past, the use of insulin pumps were complex. Um, and that is where the advancements in technology can really help to try to make this less complex um, so that more folks were able to benefit. Not only do patients perceive insulin pumps as being complex. But many physicians may not necessarily be comfortable with insulin pumps. Um, most endocrinologists are comfortable with insulin pumps, but not necessarily all. And the majority of primary care physicians are not comfortable with insulin pumps. And yet we know that many folks with type 1 diabetes and the majority of folks with type 2 diabetes receive their care from primary care physicians. So there can be a mismatch between the comfort level of the physician um, with the ability to adopt this technology. And then there's a whole host of other issues, um, insurance coverage, and even with coverage, what's it actually going to cost the patient out of pocket on a month to month basis? Um, even with reasonable coverage, the if the remaining cost is too high, that can be a barrier so that the price of the technology needs to be at a place um, where it is readily available to folks. Um, there's also the hassles of, um, that can exist with getting supplies. Um, um, for pumps that uh, require tubing, you need to make sure you have tubing and cartridges and infusion sets, and it all has to be there along with your insulin all at the same time. Otherwise, it doesn't all work. So you need to coordinate all of this to make sure you have everything you need. And it's also interesting that you mentioned about privacy. Um, folks need to wear this technology, and if it is... Um, too open, if it's too exposed, then this really can open somebody up to coming over and saying, hey, what's that thing you're wearing, which then opens a whole discussion that the person needs to get into about having diabetes. And maybe that was not something that they really wanted to discuss with that person, or to let everybody in the room at that particular time know that they have diabetes. Maybe this was something that they 
wanted to keep a little bit more private, as you said. And yet now, if the technology is too public, um, they've lost that ability. So that also factors into it. Then there's the issue for somebody who has to wear the technology and they're wearing it 24 seven. So they need to wear it when they're showering. Is the technology waterproof or how does that work? And what do they do if they if their pump has tubing? Where do they put the tubing and where do they and how do they wear the pump? So there are issues that go into wearing the technology and living with it as as part of you 24-7. Now we've seen significant increases in pump use um, among type ones, and particularly um, younger uh, patients. And I think that this um, has a few reasons behind it. One, the technology is getting better. Um, two, it's a lot easier, particularly for younger folks, to imagine carrying around a small little electronic device all day because now everybody carries around a small little electronic device all day. So it no longer carries the same kind of stigma. Um, it's also much easier to get information about a pump than it used to be 20 years ago. If you wanted to know about a pump, you could ask your healthcare professional. But other than that, you had to find somebody using a pump. Whereas now you just go online and you can find YouTube videos and listen to podcasts and you know, blogs. And there's all sorts of information out there so that folks can gather information about what it's like to wear a pump on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think that that's really helped um, overcome a lot of those issues and that we're seeing a much greater adoption of technology now than used to be. You know, Ken, I think of subject matter expertise in our fields and in your field as someone that has researched and spent so much time in diabetes management in the field of what I'm doing. I'm looking for the latest um, upgrades on, um, on recording technologies and the way that our voices sound and really to deliver a, a well thought out product um, something that can be useful for our pharmacists and healthcare providers to listen to d discussions like this, so that we can reach more healthcare providers, so that they're going to they're going to impact the lives of their patients, and they're going to be able to describe these technologies and innovations to their um, to the people that they're that they're caring about. And part of that care comes from insulin, and they they are the subject matter experts when it comes to designing. Um, pumps that are real world usage that are that are getting you know banged and, and wet and and has to be part of a, a, a go 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 life where we're all so busy and people don't want to think about it they want their they want to be taken care of they want the technology to do some of that work and I think of the innovators that that's one of my most favorite things to talk about is the is the people out there that are passionate about leading innovation and that brings me back to the insulin team. So in thinking about innovation, what are they what are what are they doing to increase adoption of their technology? So I think I can group this into like three large groups of sort of areas where we're working to improve the experience for folks with pumps. One is technology, just improved technology, as you mentioned. Um, making the technology better, using the innovations that have occurred in, in electronics and in technology so that 
the product is easier to use, that it works better for more folks, and so that more pe people are able to benefit from the technology. We've recently moved into the realm of automated insulin delivery, so that rather every decision having to be made by the user of the insulin pump, now the pump starts knowing how much insulin you're going to need and where your blood sugar is and taking that information and providing the insulin so that it frees up the user from having to make every single decision. And so the improvements in technology um, is a major step forward to making pump use more widely um, usable for more people. The next is a better user experience. As I said before, folks are wearing this 24-7. So is it more comfortable? Does it fit on the body easier? Are you able to be active with it? Um, be able to participate in sporting activities or going places and doing things without sort of having to drag along um, an insulin pump, but rather making it uh, much more convenient to be a part of you. And so just that user experience um, important part. And then finally, the third part of this, as I touched on earlier, is that we are trying to make this easier to fit into the healthcare system. It is not always easy to navigate and make sure that supplies are present. And so we now distribute through pharmacies because that is a very easy way for folks to be able to get anything in terms of uh, medical supplies or, or medications. And so by distributing through a pharmacy network, that somebody can go into their pharmacy and um, avail themselves um, to an insulin pump, um, that will make it much easier for uh, patients to be able to access the technology, be able to gain the benefits from it. You know, uh, Ken, I think of the statistic that was shared with me by, uh, by one of my friend pharmacists that is a diabetes, diabetes educator. And they were saying 37 million Americans, about one in 10 have diabetes. And uh, they were also expanding upon that statement. And one in five people with diabetes don't even know they have it. And that is um, that comes right back to our subject today with technology really helping to present people with, um, with better management and better data. And I, I, I think of, you know, the, the consideration in, in understanding the increasing numbers of people that are living with diabetes and that in, in many areas, there are just not enough clinic-based providers to support uh, this growing population. Um, there's 310, uh, 315 million Americans. There's 300,000 pharmacists. <laughs> in in my math, that, that seems like we, uh, we're going to need some more pharmacists in the future, and, and as well as diabetes experts. And so based on the population, how do you think uh, the pharmacist can assist in providing additional care to the, to the diabetes population? To me, this is a very exciting area because as you mentioned, the numbers just don't line up otherwise. It's a disease with that is much too large of a burden on far too few providers. And if we focus all of this on doctors and nurse practitioners, um, this is not going this is not going to work. It has not been working in the past and it won't work in the future. And there's been expanded roles, diabetes educators, but the pharmacist can play a real key role here. 
Um, first of all, they see the patient much more often than, than the patient ever sees their doctor. So um, they know what patients are doing. They know what patients are, what medications patients are taking. And they can identify pretty easily um, talking to a patient whether somebody's struggling with a disease or not. Um, so that really puts them in the front line of being able to assess that patient of whether things are going well for them or not. And they can be a wonderful source of information and not just information, but really trusted information. I mentioned that people could go online. That's a good thing to get information, but that can be a real dangerous thing. And folks you know, are, are sophisticated. They understand that not everything they read on the internet is necessarily true. But how do I know if what I just read about diabetes is true or not? Well, that's where a pharmacist can really come in and be that source of truth, to be that source of adjudication to say, hey, what you read was either, yes, that really is true, there, there is new technology or these options for you um, that might make sense for you, or, or you know, they can discourage sort of the imaginary science that does exist as well. So they really can serve um, a source of truth. They can discuss technology that's now available that might be a benefit um, for patients. Um, and in my view, hopefully in the near future, pharmacists will have an even greater role in the ongoing management of folks um, who, who have people with diabetes. And I know that there is still a lot of issues with licensure and regulatory issues that need to be overcome. But we're seeing cracks in this. We're seeing the, the start of pharmacists being able to manage disease states more and more. And it has been very successful. And hopefully that will continue to occur because the opportunity uh, for pharmacists to be able to work with patients one-on-one -on -one, um, to help manage this disease, I think, is, is really an opportunity that we don't want to squander. And I do want to give a shout out to the Insolent team for giving us uh, the support that we were really interested in when I when I met the um, the executives at the APHA 2022. Uh, amazing, passionate group of healthcare leaders, and just want to thank you, uh, Dr. Ken Snow, for being here today and in talking. Um, about this. This is uh, something that is not going away. It's going to increase. We're going to have our pharmacists leveraging the technology to take care of their patients. And if you're listening today and you wanted more information, please take a look at omnipod.com. That's omnipod.com. And it's a wonderful resource. Um, just a shout out to um, to all of our diabetes educators, to our pharmacists that are focused on medication management in the space of diabetes. We can do this together. We can use technology, Ken, and really make people's lives um, better and more fluid and more freedom. Um, Ken, this has been um, excellent and, and I very much appreciate you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.